Hi, welcome to Promo Insiders, an ASI media podcast covering the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm executive editor, Sarah Lavandusky, and today I'm joined by Mitch Silver, VP of Marketing and Sales at Printable Promotions in Chicago. And he's here to discuss fulfillment and kidding a year into the pandemic. As events went virtual and companies wanted swag delivered to private residences to keep people connected during COVID, the promo industry was forced to change tack and amp up their fulfillment services, including warehousing, kidding, and dropshipping capabilities. So what have distributors learned after 12 months of these types of orders? That's our topic. So thank you, Mitch, for being with us today. My pleasure. Uh, motion creates emotion. So I'm at my standing desk ready to go. Awesome. Love it. And if anyone has any questions for Mitch or comments, please put them in the chat box and we will address them as time allows. So Mitch, this year, you saw a huge increase in demand for kidding and fulfillment because of the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what that transition was like for your team when you started to have to address this new demand? Yeah, first of all, I, I want to uh, start off by saying how proud I am of my team. Um, we pivoted, we retooled, we did all those verbs that everyone's been talking about. Um, 2020 was just that year where we had to do that to stay alive. So in 2019, we were number two on ASI's list of best places to work. And in 2020, our team really showed why we earned that designation because uh, we had to do a lot of things differently. And I'm super proud of the team. Awesome. Um, so it's funny, if, if you look at physically our office, um, it's gone through a few iterations over the last 12 months. So at first, in addition to a typical normal office setup, we had a few tables that were tucked away in the corner that we brought out like four to five times a year when we did assembly jobs. Like it was, they were, we weren't doing fulfillment that often. Mm -hmm. But somewhere around April, those tables were permanently set up and they became filled with PPE products. So we're sanitizers, we had KN95 masks, we had, we had uh, three-ply masks, we had all the PPE products you can imagine. And then somewhere around, oh, by the way, at that time, our office sort of looked like the Costco of medical supply warehouses. It was probably not unlike a lot of other distributors out there. Mm -hmm. um, but somewhere around July, Mark, who heads up our fulfillment team, came to me and he said, you know, I think we need to make a, an investment in like maybe like a dozen more tables. Um, we need some rolling carts. We need some laundry baskets for moving stuff around. And he even convinced me to buy an actual shopping cart uh, to move project uh, products around the office when we're doing mm -hmm. fulfillment projects. So, um, so besides the physical transformation, I think the thing that really catapulted us into the fulfillment business was nailing down a pricing model. Now, up until that point in July of last year, we were kind of like, probably most people, it's kind of like, um, yeah, 250 to assemble things, that, sh that should cover it. But the truth is there's so much more to it and we really had to come up with a kidding price list that worked for everybody in the office from our order entry team to our leadership team to our invoicing team. And uh, here it is, Sarah. Oops, that's our kidding service. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So it's got page after page of things like outer packaging, inner packaging, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so this was really key to be experts in kidding and fulfillment. We needed to have the price list to support it. So this really ensured we were all on the same page. So um, now when we're quoting projects, we're all, you know, got the same numbers in front of us. Mm -hmm. So we've definitely become a well-oiled machine when it comes to kidding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. So um, what have been some of the recent projects you've worked on that have required the fulfillment arm of your company? You know, we've been lucky to have a variety of different projects. Each one's a little different, but we've learned from each one. And um, I picked a few different ones to share with the group, um, thinking that it would just give you a flavor for the kinds of things we're working on. So the first was for an overnight camp that was looking to do what they called a mystery box. 
So their ardent supporters and followers would sign up to receive this mystery box, knowing that there was going to be some great swag inside, but not knowing what it was going to be. So um, we picked five items with them. We came up with a budget point. We assembled the items and we drop shipped it to all the recipients who are on the list. Um, the next thing we did, which was really different, was we set up a pop-up shop using the software that we have to capture a choice of Yeti color for a clients, um, their clients. And so people had a choice to go on and pick one of three different colors. Um, we then created a happy holidays box around December, and then those items were shipped out directly to them. So that was kind of fun. Um, if you're a distributor out there and you're not selling food some way, shape, or form, I think you need to incorporate that into your mix. Um, and I don't necessarily mean like a full-blown salami and cheese tray, uh, but maybe even just something along the lines of snacks. You know, as more of these meetings became virtual, we found ourselves shipping, you know, Oreos and Sun Chips and Pringles and Goldfish and granola bars to people part of like a brainstorming session or something like that. So that was a big hit. Um, we also did things for a financial services conference. Uh, there was some a journal, uh, a coffee mug, a koozie, some microwave popcorn for the snack breaks. And that was all assembled here. Um, and it was fun because all the items had the same matching logo on them. And so it was really a cohesive look. And then I think the other project that I thought was interesting was uh, one of our clients had acquired another company in Canada. And they had asked us to sort of put together a kit that would be welcoming the new employees to the new company. So we worked with them to pick the right budget point item. And then we shipped those out for them to their Canadian uh, teammates. Mm -hmm. Great. Wonderful. So uh, it sounds like you've been busy. What have been um, your, what's been your preferred software for like creating labels, estimating shipping costs, all that kind of good stuff? Well, we changed a little bit. You know, at the beginning we were using stamps.com and um, Mark from our fulfillment team told me that the interface was a little challenging. And especially when it came to importing address lists, he was having all sorts of challenges. So so I reached out to some fellow distributors and we started talking and uh, one amazing woman in Virginia recommended uh, Pirate Ship, which is a hilarious name for a company. Mm -hmm. And their marketing is as funny as the name. Mm -hmm. um, our team checked it out. It was really intuitive. It was well-supported. The reporting is just amazing. And especially when you're sending tracking to clients, like they want to see all the packages and what everyone received and when they received it. So, um, so we've been using that, but we've also been using it to actually quote shipping to clients ahead of time. Um, to hedge our bets, I think this is this is where a lot of distributors get stuck. Like, how much is the freight going to be? Do I quote them two dollars or ten dollars? Well, we've been using Pirate Ship to sort of guesstimate what a package would cost to ship from Chicago, where we're located, to nine hundred two one zero. Right? Great show, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The number sticks out in our head. We know where it is. It's the West Coast. It's the worst case scenario, and right. then we quote that number to the client. Mm -hmm because we know that it's always gonna come under and a client will be pleasantly surprised. But mm -hmm. frankly, the clients don't wanna hear it depends because they have a number they need to put in an Excel spreadsheet. They've gotta fill in a cell with a number. And if you don't, if you don't tell them it's you know, gonna be about five to $6 or eight to $10, um, I think you're really doing yourself a disservice and it makes it really hard for them to, to budget. So yeah. Pirate Ship was a great way to help us get ballpark numbers to our clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that point is well taken that, you know, it's even though like I think it, just preparing them is much better than just saying, well, we'll have to see or we're not sure or it depends like that uncertainty is not like a great look. 
um, even though there is a lot of uncertainty, obviously. But um, and I know like the delivery and shipping has been challenging these past few months, yep. uh, just because of the sheer volume of of e-commerce shipments right now. But um, yeah, any any kind of like ballpark that you give give them, that's like an educated, you know, uh, get. I don't want to say guess, but an educated. Uh, uh, estimate on what it's going to cost. I think they appreciate that. Yeah. And I would say the other thing is when you multiply any shipping number times 100, 250, 500, 1000, the numbers get really big very quickly. So if you don't give them a number, there's a good chance the client's not going to budget correctly. And then you may find some surprises at the end. Sure. Yeah. And actually, um, we have a viewer slash listener, Pam Kubat. She says that piratechip.com is great. That's what we've used since pandemic, that since the pandemic started too. Yeah. So that's great. Awesome. Really good. Great. Um, and also, uh, how do you address like, you know, uh, large numbers of attendees for virtual events? Because, you know, obviously with a virtual event, you can have so many more people because of the lack of space limitations. You know, you can have so many more people than you could have at an in-person event, um, and which is great. But, uh, you know, if everybody is kind of like if they want to send, uh, you know, physical swag to virtual event attendees, um, what does that kind of look like if you have huge, huge guest numbers for these events? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if it's a domestic shipment, it's really no more challenging than anything else. It's just a matter of, I think the biggest challenge is the client actually gathering that address list, right? It's capturing that data during the registration process for the event. Um, but what we've seen, and you alluded to this, is when there's more people at an event, there's a greater likelihood there's someone from international who couldn't normally attend the event who's now online. So what do you do when you need to ship internationally to those people? And And that's really been the biggest learning curve for us. And we, we figured out a couple of things that I think people would be interested to hear. So first of all, when you're shipping internationally, duties and taxes don't come into play if you are, uh, they, they come into play when you're shipping internationally, not domestically. So that's, that's already covered. So there's really two main ways to ship internationally. One would be USPS. Two would be using a carrier like FedEx or UPS or DHL. So for each of those, there's two pros and two cons. And I'll just quickly go through those for the, for the audience. Sure. So the pros of shipping USPS, I'm not joking. It is literally 30 to 40% of the total cost if you were to ship using a regular carrier. So it's 60 to 70% less. So that's a great pro. Um, there's also no discussion with the client about, hey, I need your shipper number and do you want to ship FedEx or UPS and trying to that juggle in that routine um, because there's no collecting of duties and taxes when you use USPS. Um, I'll explain that in a minute. That's actually a con in some ways. So there's two cons to shipping USPS. Number one, back to that old FedEx commercial, if it absolutely positively has to be there by a certain time, not a good option. They'll give you a wide window if it's just a gift for attending and people aren't necessarily waiting for it or expecting it, totally fine, no problem at all. But if it's gotta be there, that's a con for USPS. Um, two, if there's duties and taxes on a shipment that's due, when you ship USPS, the recipient on the other end is responsible for the duties and taxes. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what Emily Post or Dear Abby would say about this, but that seems like a backward etiquette thing to do is ask someone to pay for something you're shipping to them. So, <laughs> so that, that's definitely a con when it, when it comes to shipping um, USPS. So that's USPS. So let's talk about FedEx and UPS for a second. This is interesting. So the pros are it's reliable. The timing is generally pretty accurate that, that when they give it to you. So if it has to be there, that's always a, that's a plus. Um, so we typically ask for the client's shipper number ahead of time because what happens is the duties and taxes, whereas USPS, the recipient pays them, 
the sender sender pays them when it comes to um, shipping using the carriers. So there's usually some residual costs that come in afterwards. And so they start to build and build. And so that's a negative. You don't like that, that sort of trickle down where you start mm -hmm. to get more and more bills. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the cons to using like a major carrier would be pricing. It's incredibly expensive. Just to give the, the listeners a perspective here, the other day we quoted for a client, it was a three pound package. And it was a 30 ounce Yeti, a drawstring bag, a journal book, a pen, and an insert. Yeah, I think that was it. And it was shipping to France, Germany, the UK, and Spain. Hmm. Um, I don't want to play a guessing game with you, Sarah, so I'll tell you the answer. But $250 per package to ship a three-pound package with those contents to those locations. Aye, so aye, aye. needless to say, the client was like, uh, no thanks, it's not really <laughs> worth it. So. So uh, anyway, so that's that's kind of the con is this cost, um, and the other con would be um, the duties and taxes just sort of trickling down later afterwards. But and that creates an invoicing snafu, especially if you're going to take that on. And then lastly, regardless of which carrier you use, expect to have problems if you ship to Brazil, India, Russia, or many of the countries in Eastern Europe. For some reason, the postal systems, the mm -hmm. shipping carriers always have challenges. So those are going to create some extra challenges for distributors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well said. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for the the caution there. And <laughs> and I liked also, we had talked before about how, you know, uh, at your um, the at your company, the, the services that you're offering actually has allowed you to create some jobs for those who would otherwise be out of work because of COVID. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're a business owner, you can derive satisfaction from a number of different sources, right? Of course, there's the freedom, the autonomy. If you do things right, it's there's the profitability. Um, but one of the things you get out of running your own business is the satisfaction knowing that you're providing employment for people to earn a wage that they can use to carve out the life that they want for themselves, right? Whether that be just the peace of mind knowing that your bills are covered or allowing you to save for retirement or buying that house or that dream vacation. So in our case, we were able to hire part-time folks to help us with the fulfillment. So our fulfillment team is made up of laid off flight attendants, uh, laid off restaurant bartenders and waitresses, um, movie and TV production assistants, hairdressers. We even have some college students who chose not to go back uh, to school um, mm. Uh, in person. Mm -hmm. um, so all those people have been um, doing work around our office for fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it feels really good to write those people the checks because um, they can continue to move their lives forward and not be as impacted by the pandemic. So right. Pretty yeah, cool. definitely. Yeah, we have a, a listener, Richard Prince. He says, that's right. I just hired somebody. So there is opportunity in, in promo, um, which is great. You know, when, when other industries are still shut or just really slow to open back up, it's a really great opportunity to give somebody, like you said, that freedom again, which is great. Yep. Uh, love yep, that. Sure. So where um, this demand for fulfillment, obviously, it's pretty strong this year. Um, where do you see it going kind of over the next few months? Do you think this is going to be like a permanent part? part of, of promo moving forward. Yeah. I mean, let's just say if this was the stock market, I'd be pretty bullish on fulfillment. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really think when it comes to events, a swag bag mailed directly to a recipient's home, it, it's just unbelievable. I mean, and here's why, you know, when you go to a trade show or conference, um, you might pick up a dozen pieces of swag at the different tables around. Uh, there are things, people are giving stuff out. And if you're like me, before you leave the venue, you typically go through your bag and you're deciding what items to keep and which items to toss. 
And so when you're doing stuff in person like that, everything doesn't make it home. But when you drop ship directly to someone's home, the products that you put in that box are getting into the person's home for immediate use. So that's a huge plus. I just don't see that that's changing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And, and these swag bags, we actually call them experiences in a box in our company. Um, they have a unique ability to get people off the fence when it comes to registration for an event. Um, if you think about it, like we always advise our clients on the registration page for the event, put up there, the first X number of res- registrants will receive an experience in a box valued at X dollars, mm-hmm. right? So if you're thinking of attending and you see that, I think that's enough to get people off the fence. I think typically people will go ahead and do that if they're trying to get into that first X number of boxes. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is we always advise clients that if they don't want people to have FOMO, like they missed the registration to get the free swag box, you would say something like, um, if you register by X date, you'll be entered into a drawing to receive one of the first 500 experiences in a box um, valued at you know $50 or something like that. So mm-hmm. I think there's two different ways to split it depending on how you want to do it. But ultimately, I think that um, these experiences in a box help distributors create um, social media buzz. I mean, mm-hmm. who doesn't watch unboxing videos? Who doesn't mm-hmm. like seeing people open stuff up and what the excitement is surrounding it? So I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So I think fulfillment's going to be around for a while. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Like the, creating the FOMO is a good incentive. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you build it in, you make it into the process, right? Yeah, exactly. Richard Prince says, God, I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Love Chicago, that. we'll go have a drink. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hopefully someday, right? Um, and actually, I don't want to put you on the spot. We do have a question about about pricing. Uh, Jane Brandell Mitchell says, "Can you can you share your pricing structure for the fulfillment?" I mean, I don't know about like entire pricing structure, but can you give like a little bit of like a framework or like a yeah, sure, 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 yeah. Um, let me. I don't know if this is going to show very well, but I can give you an idea. Yeah. So, um, let me see if this is my camera's backwards here, but. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, this way. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, we have the number of items in the kit across the top, the number of kits. <laughs> this is backwards. It's hard to do. The number of kits over here, mm-hmm. and then a sliding scale based on the number of pieces that are in the kit. Yeah. So the first thing is to work with the client to determine how many pieces are in the kit. And then you could give them a more firm number. And then you could just do like a 50 cent upgrade per additional item. Um, and you could be lenient about it. I mean, you could say, you know, I've made my money on the first 450. If you want to send me some pamphlets, some brochures, some collateral, some samples, happy to put that in the box. Because the truth is, once the assembly line is set up in the fulfillment, each additional item is, in, is, is negligible. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's really, like you said before, um, earlier on the conversation you were saying at the beginning, it was kind of like, you know, it was not like... Uh, laid out in like a grid, like the pricing, it was more of just kind of like, oh, you know, I think yeah, that right. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think laying it out and have like a, you know, really working it out and having it with your team and establishing it and then having it kind of laid out in a very easy to easy to read for you and your clients, the, the grid format is really helpful. Um, yeah. And, I, and the other thing I would add to that is once you figure out that pricing model, add that to your CRM as a line item. Right. So that way it automatically pops up. You're not constantly looking at a piece of paper and trying to type it back and forth. Yep. Um, that's really makes it easier for everybody in the office. Great point. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then finally, oh, actually, we have another question from Zingify Incorporated. Oh, do you do your fulfillment in-house or use a fulfillment shop? You do most of it in-house, right? Yeah, that's what yeah, that's what we've been hiring all those people. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say that if it 
if it's under a thousand pieces, unless you have a very, very tiny office, I think you could probably handle in-house. When you get above a thousand, it just takes up a whole lot of space when you're receiving packages, yeah. prepping the packages, shipping them out. Um, then you can look at a third party. Um, there's mm -hmm. a great fulfillment company in Cincinnati called Profill that a lot of the industry uses. So that's somebody to consider. But there's also in your local neighborhood, there's probably, um, for example, in Chicago, we have something called Opportunity Inc. It's like they're, uh, they're the handicap handicappable hands. Mm -hmm. So um, those with some disabilities might you know, be working in a facility where they encourage them to get jobs and help out with mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So Love definitely that. look in your local area first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if they if it's a warehouse that um has um yeah em, employees with special needs, that's that's yeah. wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. And another question from Pam Kubot. She says, "Have you been using foam ins? I think it's foam uh, or yeah. formed inserts in the boxes or foam blocks? How have you been packaging? I guess it depends on the items." Too. Pam, that's a really good question. Um, we have generally not done foam inserts, um, and I'll tell you why. We've been doing either tissue paper or crinkle paper. Um, first of all, they're available in lots of colors. So you can match the client's colors. So that's nice. It adds a little bit extra uh, pad padding for the shipment. The foam inserts are challenging. I I've, I've questioned this with three or four suppliers in the industry. They really need to know exactly what's going in there to figure out the depth of the foam that needs to go in the box for them to give you an accurate quote. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm back and forth with the client a lot of times before we settle on the right products. By then, it might be too late to ship them samples. And by then, I also should have told the client a price for the box. And if I can't tell the price until I get the product picked up, it, it does slow down the slow down mm -hmm. the overall process. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it, it's point. definitely if you're sending somebody to an influencer or someone of of a C level executive, that is definitely the way to go. Is like foam or uh, cardboard cutout. Okay, so maybe in special cases, really going for that impression. Maybe make a exception. Yep. Yeah. You got it. Okay. Great. Um, Finally, oh, my last question for you actually is, so kind of looking at this from a 30,000 foot view, like, do you have maybe like two or three tips for distributors to kind of, they're looking to up their fulfillment game and make it like as seamless as possible? Kind of your three takeaways from this whole conversation. Yeah. I mean, my answer is kind of a recap of our conversation today. I mean, first you need to have a well thought out price list that incorporates all pieces of the kidding and fulfillment puzzle right mm -hmm. so i'm talking about how much is a brown box a white box a custom box crinkle paper tissue paper insert cards packing tape all those things um and when you come up with uh, the price list don't forget to incorporate in the cost of the inbound freight to get that stuff to you right so if you buy stuff from uline or any of these box companies they charge you freight to get it to your office so don't forget that's an additional cost you need to factor in mm -hmm. so second if you're going to handle the fulfillment yourself um and you're going to use U usps if you're comfortable with that open an account with one of these major shipping software companies i mean i mentioned pirate ship but there's a wonderful website out there called capterra that's c-a-p-t-e-r-r-a -R -R -A. it's a software evaluation site so if you go in there and you type in shipping software, they will give you user ratings and descriptions of all the major players when it comes to that. So look up capterra.com. Um, thirdly, um, it seems so simple to do, sorry, my phone's ringing. No, it's okay. It seems so simple to do fulfillment, but I will tell you that it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work to set up the assembly line, unpack, repack. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say you're gonna make some mistakes along the way. Um, don't be afraid to charge for fulfillment and kidding services. Like guess a little higher than you think you might be comfortable with because you're going to end up eating freight somewhere along the way. You're going to end up making a mistake that's going to cost you labor. 
So, um, you know, don't be afraid to charge for the services. Mm-hmm. And then um, can I get a bonus one? Sure. All right. And my <laughs> bonus one would be if you decide to take the plunge to do fulfillment for your clients, don't forget to tell them about it. Like put it in your email signature. Make sure that it's on your website homepage. Um, do email marketing to your clients. Hey, we've got this new service that we're offering people. We can ship directly to recipient doorsteps. Mm-hmm. Um, this is definitely not one of those offer it and they will come situations. Mm-hmm. Like you truly mm-hmm. need to constantly remind your remind your clients about your kidding and fulfillment services. So. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, another question from Zingify that I'm curious about too. What is the biggest surprise or unknown that you found with all the moving pieces? Something that you maybe even before when it was kind of like you did it a little bit, but not as much. And even from that to like COVID time, was there anything that kind of was like, whoa? Well, I don't know if you could see it from the kidding price list, but one of the things we realized is when each box is uniquely different from the other box, it presents a whole host of challenges. So for example, if Sarah gets a medium and Mitch gets a large, I've got to keep track of Sarah's box every Mm -hmm. step of the way. I got to make sure that Sarah's medium goes with Sarah's address label, right? And, I, and especially if there's a handwritten note inside, it's, there's a lot to keep track of. So when somebody says, I want personalization or I want soft items, don't be afraid to charge two additional items as if that was like two more items in the box, hmm. because it's going to take you, you're going to have to have a lot more controls in place. And you're probably going to have to have two people checking it before it actually ships out. So um, that's probably a surprise, I'd say. Uh, you don't want to be burned by because invariably somebody's going to get the wrong product and you're going to be like, what, what, what happened? And now you've got to reprint one or two with your embroiderer and it's never a good situation when that happens. Right. Right. The variable data. You got it. The boxes. <laughs> you That's <got> right. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate your time, Mitch. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for asking, or I'm sorry, thank you for answering all of the extra questions. Really helpful for our, our listeners. And everybody, thanks for being with us today. And for more coronavirus coverage, please head to asicentral.com slash news. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it.